Hey guys, VP Precision here, episode number 21, being filmed from a hotel. We're in, filming this now? <laughs> we're filming. <laughs> that's, that's how late it is. No, uh, we're in a hotel in Vegas recording. It's like 1 a.m. or something, but I'm kind of, we're both disappointed with ourselves because we packed the podcast up around the last few days and we've had no time and uh, it's been ridiculous. So, so now we're burning the midnight oil. Yep. Getting some stuff down. Jake flies out early tomorrow to go back home and then I fly out tomorrow night. So I get to hang out the show tomorrow, but he won't be here to do podcasts. So, um, anyway, wanted to kind of recap the Arizona, the first PRS match of the season in Arizona that, um, Regina and Tim and crew put on Chris Tressler, um, did a great job. So check out, chat about that for a minute and just kind of i don't know we don't have a a huge plan but we want to get something out and get this sent out and hopefully get it up tomorrow which will be friday i think and uh get a little bit so we'll talk through anything that sticks out uh to us at shot and kind of go from there so uh let's see here jake what uh what's just briefly we both flew down um arizona is an easy flight for both of us which was cool so we didn't have to come down on a thursday we were able to come down this last friday so a week from yesterday uh flew into phoenix and um got uh bronson bundy uh picked us up which was awesome um right there at the airport and uh we went out to a little different range with those guys and got a little hundred zero and uh kind of got ready um awesome weather coming from jake what's the weather been like at your house just nasty yeah probably 20 degrees and we got probably a total of two feet of snow maybe you know maybe 20 inches or so and it just keeps piling up and cold and and when it does rain it it rains for just like a couple hours and it's like 34 degrees and then it goes back to snow so pretty (laughs) cold and nasty really not a lot of time to shoot and, and train so it was you know like you said it was good to get down yeah. I think it was 60 degrees. It's just the absolute perfect temperature to oh, shoot in. so nice. Yeah, it was crazy. Same here, Jess. I'm on the west side of the mountain, so a lot of rain and just kind of gross weather. And then you land in sunny Phoenix, and it's, it's amazing. You're like, <laughs> it's, it's cold in the morning, but but nice cold little jacket. And then the sun comes up and warms up real quick. And it gets, it's just, it was so nice. So I love the, kind of like NRL did the finale before, uh, before shot a couple years ago, the first NRL championship couple years back and it was right before the week before shot show it turned into a really cool and it was i love the idea everyone's down here and there's kind of hype around the show and then it's fun to have that fun to have that match before so i think they're going to do that um i think they're going to do the same thing next year so i sure hope so yeah it was a perfect setup so they did a great job fun match fair match i let's we'll talk through that a little bit um uh you guys probably know spoiler alert uh, Jake won, so congrats to you, buddy. Heck to the yes. Heck to the yes. Burned it down on the first first match of the year. Shot really, really well. Um, I held on to a, th- a close third. Um, uh, we Jake and I were tied for first after day one, and I, I blew our deal of going first and second. We always argue who's going to get first and who's going to get second, and I kind of blew it a couple places. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. So let's let's talk through that. Uh, kind of try to go through quickly. Saturday was, I don't know, uh, what, anything sticks out. We shot we shot ten stages on Saturday. Yeah, we shot ten on Saturday and All eleven on Sunday. Yeah, there were two two minute time limits. You know, I mean, you know, first and foremost, you know, Regina Milkovich, Tim Milkovich, and Matt Levine. Um, Oh, they yeah, they kind of had Tressler. Did I say the wrong name earlier? Uh, Tressler was an RO, so he was probably That's helping right. out too. That's right. But, I mixed him up. Um, yeah, those those guys they they put on a good match. Um, I really like every match they put on. Mm-hmm. I think they're all super fair. Um, you know, and this this match was was no different. I like the way it runs. They have uh, about nine ten person squads, and so when you do that. Things seem to be pretty smooth, and you get done fairly early in the two o'clock, three o'clock time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not shooting until five or six p.m. Um, no. I personally like that. I think you know the the target sizes are all really appropriate. All you know, all those three are shooters. So Regina, Tim, and Matt, they all shoot. Yep. They know um, you know appropriate size targets. I think there was a couple targets that were maybe too big. Yeah. Um, overall, I do remember the shoot house on day one and the cattle gate on day two was the same target. That was a big diamond target. It didn't stop me from missing. 
We'll talk, we'll talk about that later. Touche. Touche. I thought it was too big until I missed. You know, so. yeah. So I think that's probably if I was going to pick some targets that were that were slightly uh, large on the on the mat side, it was probably those targets. But I think everything else was really appropriate. Um, very. Mm-hmm. You know, everything really for matches, it should be hittable, mm-hmm. but you don't just want to give them points. Yep. Um, you don't just want to give shooters points. They still need to earn it. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that, <clears throat> you know, that good match directors do is they make you earn. You still got to earn every shot. There should be no free points. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they did a really good job. Every shot was um, had to be earned. You had to focus on every shot and, you know, really make it count. So, yeah. Props to those guys for for putting on yet another good match. Um, I thought every you know every stage was was pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one stage that you know I didn't do very well, but I still thought it was a really really good stage. It was probably one of my roughest stages. But something we got to try to figure out how to make it a, a cool stage was the wind chime target stage that mm-hmm. uh, Tim did. He brought out a really cool wind chime target that had a bunch of one-tenth wide uh, targets that were maybe 20 or 24 inches long, and you were you only got points for the center one-tenth target. Yep. I I thought it was a challenge. I thought it was something new. We've never done it before. Yeah. So in that regard, I thought it was it was you know quite fun. I I got a three on it or something ridiculous. I did not do very well on it, but. You know, that being said, it was still something different, and, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the wind got the better of me, and, and maybe that's one of the problems with that particular style of stage is is the wind can play tricks on you, and then you can you can get a little bit hosed on it. But um, yeah, I guess you can say that with about every every stage, long range stage. Yeah, there's all a little target stage, yeah, whatever. Hundred yard paper when the you know. <laughs> Hundred yard paper when the wind's just blowing when you and, just suck. and I think it's and just when you suck. Shoot. I need a, I need, a, I need that giant aluminum vice from the shot show to hold my gun because apparently I can't hit paper. So oh, no, man. that wind chime's target was interesting. It was uh, yeah, like you said, one mil wide strips hanging one tenth. Yeah, one tenth uh, wide strips. The total target was one mil wide, and it was uh, um, five hundred yards. Five hundred yards, and they were hanging vertically, right? So you have your like a like a your KYL frame, and then the strips hanging straight down the center strip the back of it was painted orange so when you hit it and it flipped up um you could see the orange show you knew that was the center and then the sides were painted a different color green green yeah green so it was it was tricky i had a little better luck wind held for me a little bit i got a six a couple guys got eights i think ryan allen got an eight or nine so um yeah it just uh that was an interesting stage um um but it was kind of fun seeing something different like that so, um, but a lot of interesting stages. I think they did a good job. It was fun. There was, I, I, sometimes you go to a match where it's boring. You don't think about anything. You don't have to rehearse the stage in your head. You're just like, okay, it's this target from the here. I'm just going to shoot this. And you just talk with your people, friends and watch, watch, you know, trace a little bit, figure out the win, but there's not a lot of thought, but some, there was a bunch of stages where you're like, you know, got to think about the positions where you got to, there's one stage where you shook up this uh, shoe box with, like I think yeah, the ping, fun. ping pong balls with numbers written on them. Uh, f- there was five rocks and there was five numbers. And whatever, uh, you, when you shook the box, whatever order the ping pong balls were in, say it was three, five, two, four, one, you had to shoot the rocks in that order of three, five, two, four, one, or or whatever order the balls came out in. So you had to shoot one rock, two shots, turn around, look at the you know look at the number and move so you couldn't just shoot them in a line and just just some different things to keep you thinking we haven't shot loophole stages for a while there was a there was a loophole a stage. Slit loophole. Yeah. Yeah. we had to shoot out of the back of us uh they had a little toyota tacoma set in the back shoot off the tailgate so just again i just threw a game change on the tailgate and then what like six eight feet uh behind the truck was a big sheet of plywood with a maybe a one inch strip mm-hmm. cut through the middle of it <clears throat> And then there was five bowling pins at, they weren't real far, 350, 400 yards, I can't, 300 yards. But they were spread out like 10 feet. Yep. You know, they were probably 40 feet apart, five targets. Yeah, so you could only see one target through the strip at a time. And so what you had to really make sure you did was shoot the targets in the right order because you had to shoot left or right two shots per pin, mm-hmm. and you'd do that five times. And so what I saw a lot of guys do, well, I, I guess here's a tip, I saw a lot of guys um, – 
uh, shoot the wrong targets out of order because sh- they're all bowling pins. They're all the same size. They look the same through there. So what I did was <clears throat> each bowling pin was a little bit different. The one on the left, had a was they were all hung on T-posts. One on the left had a short T-post next to the tall one. The next one to it was, oh, I, got, I have to look at my notes. It was leaning a little bit. And then the, the middle post, the target was actually bladed away a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's right. The fourth target was in right in front of a bush. And the fifth target, or no, the, maybe the third target, one of the targets has some T-posts laying by the base of the standing T-posts. And then the last target was kind of by a stump and had a, a, like a couple T-posts gra- driven to the ground. So I drew a little diagram on my wrist coach my where I write my dope of what had what by it and i also went over it on glass a bunch of times and i made sure i started on the right target and i don't know i saw multiple guys in our squad some good shooters and good buddies shoot shoot the wrong targets mm-hmm. um out of order so that's a that's something when you know try to think of those things ahead when you're gonna have a stage where especially when you start seeing guys mess up like the first guy in our squad did it real bad shot them all out of order hit everything but not in the right order so obviously you know you get a very low score and so you know, you see that and double check, try to figure out what happened, and, and really memorize those targets. But that was a fun stage. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about the you want to talk about blind stage a little bit. Yeah, so the uh, they have uh, they've done it now a couple years in a row, um, and we've seen it a few different times. Um, whether it's been in here in, in Arizona or the Utah match or wherever where they do a kind of a completely blind stage. So they'll put like five or six different things behind a curtain behind in a room, wherever they're doing that. And then you'll use those particular items with your rifle and, and stuff that you're, you know, you're allowed to bring. Uh, you'll use those particular items to build a position, shoot either off of or over or from a, uh, a chosen prop or, or obstacle at different targets, and so this particular stage, the blind stage, was um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoy those stages. It's something new. It's you know kind of figuring out how to use your gear and the gear they provide, uh, which is which is always a surprise. Um, you know, kind of the best of your ability, and you really got to do it all under time. So it it mm-hmm. does provide that time crunch to figure out okay, how am I going to create this particular you know, how am I going to shoot this stage well with the, with the props given? Um, Mm -hmm. what I decided to do is they said that we could use our own bipods, Mm -hmm. um, but nothing else. We couldn't use any tripods. We couldn't bring any bags in. We couldn't bring anything else in. We could use our gun and our bipod. Um, and that was the rule. I was, um, I, I chose to put on my triple leg sky pod and just because I think it has an advantage of going uh, wide or tall um, mm-hmm. and pretty quickly as well. So I thought if I can, if I can use something in that capacity, um, then I would. So uh, just like, I'm, you know, you use a sling or whatever, if, if you can use it to your advantage, uh, you know, try to, you know, try to get some more hits from it. Yeah. So I go into the room. I'm kind of looking around, and I see that there's a table there. The table looks to be about, you know, maybe roughly three feet tall or, or two and a half feet tall. And I thought I could I could probably get um, I could probably get my barrel over the top if I had my sky pod in all the way and all my you know the feet all the way down. So yeah, the rule was you had to shoot over the table at these targets, but you couldn't touch but it. But you could not touch the table. Yep, that's right. So I said okay. I'm going to put these feet all the way down real quick and just see if it, see if it clears. And so I put my feet all the way down and I put them all the way to the inside, which is the tallest setting. Mm -hmm. Um, and sure enough on the first target, which was really kind of parallel and level with the table, um, I was able to clear, uh, it wouldn't clear my stock, but it would definitely clear the barrel. So I was still shooting over the top of the table and I had about a, I don't know, three quarters of an inch of, of, you know, a uh, gap uh, above the table. <laughs> so it worked out perfectly. Um, and then I had to go, now that I've, you know, figured out, okay, now I can go tall enough. I went over and I started looking at the, the different items that were in the room. I saw uh, a little like uh, white plastic uh, table. I saw some wood, uh, like a piece of, I don't know, must've been a 20 inch tall six by six piece of wood. Mm-hmm. And a wee bad pump pillow, 
there was a few different things in there. So I decided to grab that uh, six by six piece of wood and the wee bad pump pillow. There's actually a video of it uh, somewhere online. Someone sent it to me of me running the stage. Oh, cool. And so you're able to kind of see some of that stuff. Uh, it was it was rock solid. I felt like I was pretty much prone. Um, I grabbed that piece of six by six wood. I stood it straight up. I put the pillow right on top and I just used that as a rear bag. The height was perfect. And so I ran those, um, you know, I, I ran those targets pretty well. Uh, shot one, two, three. I actually ended up timing out with, uh, some shots left. So, you know, in hindsight, uh, what would I have done different to get a couple more shots off? I, I think I just would have, you know, maybe hustle a little bit more going into the room. I mm-hmm. looked at the video and I slowly, casually walked into the room uh, with no regard for time at all. <laughs> and I was looking back on, I was like, man, if I would have hustled a little bit, I would have got those other shots off. But yeah, and that was they on Sunday. There was a stage we shot on Sunday, and Saturday was two minute times. On Sunday was ninety, so we we sped up the times a little bit on Sunday. So. That's right. Yeah, so we sped up the times on on Saturday was two minutes. I like the 90-second stages. I think we should probably go to all 90-second stages. I think it's a very fair mm-hmm. time to shoot 10 shots or 8 shots. You're talking about 10 or 11 seconds per shot. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a pretty good um, time on it. it. Stage worked out pretty well for me, I guess. Uh, yeah, they were skinny targets. They were short yeah. targets, you know, that big big pans. And it was, a, it was a stage where I think also it got in a lot of people's heads. You see good shooters walking out of there with one hit or two hits and then everyone outside is like thinking that you know the worst is going to happen in there and and uh so i think it got in a lot of people's head before they even got in the room mm-hmm. um so you put what you pull a seven out of there or something timed out yeah so i yeah. timed out um and left some shots on the table uh so that's just straight my fault not not preparing enough and maybe even, you know, it's hard to prepare uh, for those kind of stages, but maybe even going over different ideas. Okay, I know there's going to be some sort of, you know, table I have to shoot over because they told us. Yeah. So now what things could I use? Maybe just think about different ideas or, or I mean, maybe a there's probably going to be some sort of bag in there. There's probably going to be, you know, just trying to think about those things to be a little more prepared. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, but I figured that the Skypod was, was something that I could possibly use. I walked in there, tried to figure out how I did it, but it just took a little bit too long. Yeah, that Skypod, I'm jealous because I went in there with, uh, I don't have that tall Skypod, which will be changing soon because that would have been <laughs> an absolute lifesaver. So I just, I grabbed uh, like this little bench thing and then another plastic stool thing and then i threw that six by six long ways and at first i threw my gun i was hoping i could stick the harris on the front of that and use the pump pillow on the rear and kind of makes a modified prone position but the bipod kept slipping off and i was like man i was just not getting very stable and um it's like i'm gonna time out with nothing and so i just set my gun i fold the bipod up and I just put my gun on bare wood on this wobbly platform, and somehow I managed six hits. I had no business hitting those sharks six times. I was that's great. I was wobbling like probably four sharks up and down, and um, just it, it could have gotten much worse. I'm very thankful for my six hits, but it was not something I would do again. And I was very envious when when Jake's like, "Dude, I cleared it with the sky pot." I was like, "No way." I mean. Night and day, there's like I said, four sh- or sharks of targets of wobble, and I was just it was unbelievable. And so, I was probably in the heart of the shark, like I didn't ever come off of it. It was yeah. it was that stable. Yeah, so that's huge. I mean, my buddy Brian, I, I think he walked out of there with a one. Yep. And uh, it was our first. It was the first stage of Sunday. It was our very first stage. Um, no, I'm sorry, that was Saturday. It was our very last stage. No, was that Saturday? Anyway, I don't even know. I'm confused now. But anyway, it was it was it beat up some guys, and I was following Brian that day. So he walks out with a one, and I'm just like, like okay, here we go. So I just I was very thankful for what I managed, but it wasn't something I don't think would be repeatable. I could go in there, I think I could get a three, and and sometimes maybe I get an eight, but more often than not, it's going to be like a you know a four or five type of a thing. So mm-hmm. so goofy goofy kind of fun, but it makes you think, it makes it makes you worry, which gets in people's head, which was kind of fun. But yeah, another stage I really liked was the railroad animal stage. Yeah. 
Um, so this stage was uh, shooting basically through some ports and railroad ties. And you had to figure out exactly which animal you wanted to shoot when. And so what it was is it was five different ports and five different animal targets. Mm -hmm. From each port you had to shoot, uh, or or from one of the five ports you could choose whichever ones you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had to shoot the first animal target and then the second and third. And you had to switch ports every time you shoot and you can't uh, repeat any ports. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of people in our squad were actually timing out. And, uh, uh, so I was like, I was thinking to myself, how can I not time out the, the targets were fairly generous. And so I knew that if I was able to get rounds down range, I was probably going to hit these. And so I was visualizing, um, you know, all the different ports and all the different targets for these field matches. One thing that really helps. And I was kind of talking with, uh, actually some shooters from, from the southeast that came up to shoot the match and they said man it's just i had a hard time finding targets and i had you know i didn't you know i was just timing out and this and that um Mm -hmm. and so what they were what they were saying is that they just had a hard time finding targets yeah well they're used to shooting in lanes where the you look down the lane and the target's always right in front of your face. Yeah. And so 500 yard berms don't move. Yeah. Five big old 500 yard berms. Well, this is, this is a field match style and, and you have to find your targets. Well, I think these particular matches where they're field match, it's even more critical and more crucial to do all of your visualization and to go over your targets go over them again, go over them again, get in your binos, and so what I like to do is I like to get in my binos and I'll look I'll look at them in my binos a couple different times. I'll review which uh <clears throat> excuse me, I'll I'll review which uh, positions I'm using for that particular uh, target. Mm-hmm. And then I might even just do something weird like I might even look at them just with my left eye through the binos and then I might close my left eye and look at them just with my right eye. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I can find them under every single circumstance. Yep. So that it's just be getting that much more in my head on, okay, there's the target. I'm going to look at, I'm going to shoot now from this barricade. Okay, there's the target. I'm going to shoot through this hole. Okay, there's the target. And then it just becomes second nature when I get there yep. so that I'm not fumbling around. And I didn't shoot with these particular people that were, that I was talking to about, you know, struggling shooting these kind of matches. But um, so I wasn't able to see if they were doing that, but my guess is they weren't really reviewing it over and over and over again, like I was, or or like the you know the good field match shooters are to really hound yourself mm-hmm. where those targets are. I don't know how many times I saw really good shooters in, in this match just you know looking for target, looking for target, yep. and then they're in an awkward position and they just can't find it. They're in another awkward position. They got to change positions. They can't find it, and when you waste. 15 seconds looking for a target Mm -hmm. that's a giant portion of your 90 second stage yep and panic sets in and you lose focus you forget to do things or hold things or you 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 know your your game plan comes apart because you know what's happening that's right so i think that was a great stage it was fun it was uh you really had to think about what ports you're going to shoot from you know what targets you're going to shoot from what port and it was 90 seconds it was fast that was a good one you got a nine Mm -hmm. i got i was the very last shooter of the match i was our and you were the only clean i think i was the last i was the last guy in our squad I'm not, I think it was, anyway, I was, uh, Rusty Ulmer was RO and his great guy. And he was like, come on, someone's got to clean this stinking thing. And, and really there should have been more. Cause it, like you said, they were generous sized targets, but, um, but the, the aspects of movement and I, and what you said is so huge is, is target identification, finding those. Cause you're, you're like, you're angled over, you're leaned over in an awkward position, looking kind of uphill or over to the left in a drainage. And then, you know, there's no target placards about them. There's just targets up on top of hills and mountains and just spread out all over. So that was a big thing. And so I think that was why that made it so difficult was, mm-hmm. was people not finding targets and taking That was taking probably one of my favorite stages of the match um, yeah, for, the, for the pure reason that it made you work on multiple aspects of shooting. One, you had to have good target acquisition. Two, mm-hmm. you had to manage your gear. Yep. Three, you had to shoot multiple, you had to shoot five different targets at five different distances. Mm-hmm. And you had to move five different times. And so there yeah. was a lot of, of really cool stuff. I ended up getting a nine. You got a 10. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, j- targets were generous. Yeah, um, it's definitely were. doable. Yep. I, I think that was a really good target, a really good stage because it challenged you 
in you know not every way because the targets weren't small, but it challenged you enough ways to to make it a really fun yeah. and and challenging stage. I love stages like that. Um, yeah. What 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 gear did you use on that particular stage? Oh, this will be funny. A little props to Brian. So Brian Pants, we were talking back and forth, and I, so originally I was going to use. <clears throat> I've got a bipod with some when it's folded up. I got spike feet that go down, and the way the angle of the th- it's kind of hard to explain, but um, you're kind of shooting uphill a little bit. So I was going to rest the gun, my little spike feet on the bipod in the windows of a, <clears throat> a couple of the ports, and use a bag for rear support. And then Brian ran right in front of me and had just a nightmare of a time. The bipod kept getting <laughs> hung up and he was, it was, I felt bad <laughs> anyway. He was, he got done and he was fired up. And so I was going to just run game changer and folded a bipod and, and I, and I do it a lot. I, I I'm curious to run it. I think I, I would have been okay. Um, but watching brian who's a great shot have that problem i got a little scared i was like okay i'll just go back to two bags so i ran a mini a mini game changer and a full-size game changer and so um the the first port was prone just the lowest cut out of a railroad tie and it's really you can only shoot the first target from there because you couldn't pan up enough Mm -hmm. to shoot the rest so i just threw a game change the little mini in the in the little window and wrestled the forehand on that and shot it prone off of a bag and then I moved to bags on the different ones. I, I, you know, I put the on the the next ones down. I still I put the mini in the window, and and then put the gun on that and use the the big one as a as as a big game changer as a as a more kind of modified prone. And then I used the mini on the on the top two ports positionally. Um, but yeah, just just two bags. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw guys go up there with big bags and all kinds of a different thing. And I was talking to Rusty and he's like, it seemed like the biggest problem was guys trying to figure out how to use bipods and wasting too much time. A lot of guys were timing out a lot. And so yeah. my run ended up just going particularly well. I, I had a bunch of time left over. I just, I ended up finding, I had, I struggled on one target. I spent an extra, oh, probably a one, 1,000, two, uh, two, three seconds probably, uh, on target, um, Target four, I believe, that was hard left up to drainage, and mm-hmm. spent a little extra time there. But I really, I really ended up finishing with more time than I thought I had, um, and it, it went really well. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Rusty, the the, the, the again the R on the stage said the the biggest problem was guys fighting bipods and trying to do too many stuff instead of just grabbing a bag. I watched Paul Dallin run it in the squad ahead of us, and he just he's he ended up coming in second, um, got got me by a point. Great shooter. And uh, he just he ran it with a bag, two with two bags, same as I ended up doing. So mm-hmm. it was real smooth and and simple. So you know that, that that's kind of one uh, piece of advice is if if it's if there's a lot of stuff going on like a stage like that when you need to dial, when you need to move positions, when you need to move targets, when you need to do a lot of different stuff. I guess a little piece of advice would be try to keep it as simple as possible and. Yeah. Maybe one bag might be, uh, you know, the way that you want to go because it's going to take out one more thing to worry about. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I, I felt like I had a pretty good stage there. I missed one target, and it was purely on wind. I think I was holding a half mil uh, to the right, and it ended up dripping off, uh, drifting off the number four uh, hog target. So. Mm-hmm. I think I needed eight tenths, and then I increased to one mil on the far target, and I hit both of those. So it was we we shot that pretty early in the day when the wind was kind of ripping, and and yeah. a lot of people later in the day said they were kind of just holding butt or kind of on I, the target. That's when I shot it. I just held. I was able to hold. They were animal targets, so pigs and coyotes, so they were long, and I just ended up holding kind of on, on the edge on the on the right edge. So it gave yeah. me a pretty good leeway of wind to to run with so yeah and it's it's uh so i ran the the gray ops uh plate and the new bag from armageddon gear it goes with that particular plate it just velcros right on okay to that plate uh that's that's pretty much all i used and so my initial thought was man i could take a game changer up there which is my go-to bag um and i could maybe get it in there but then i don't know if I'm going to fumble around with the game changer. So I attach that plate to my gun and, and you know, the bag is Velcroed on there. So it's, it's solid. Well, this is a wax canvas bag and it's about an uh, inch and a half or two inches thick. 
but it's flat and it goes all the way across that plate, basically the same shape as the plate. Hmm. And it allows me, so I thought that might be the best uh, go for, for that stage because the railroad ties are, are pretty flat. It mm-hmm. wasn't super uneven. So yeah. all of my shots are going to be off something fairly flat. And I still have a couple inches with that bag of, you know, kind of adjustability. Um, it worked really well. I was, I was uber solid. And I think, you know, I think we did it probably in the same time of 75 seconds or so. And, and it, yeah, we both had 15 to spare. Yeah. so. So it worked out really well in that, in that, in that situation. Um, you know, definitely having a, a good bag in, in that situation, you know, could, uh, definitely help, but that's kind of just a word of advice from from me. Seeing that is, I saw a lot of people taking up too much stuff, because mm-hmm. on that stage it was the gear limit was two bags. Yeah. So and you can always use your bipod. Yeah. So now they're using bipod, trying to use a bipod, trying to stack multiple bags on top of each other for a tall bipod position, mm-hmm. and they just timed out. They didn't have enough time. Um, really good shooters too. So yeah. it's it's yeah. just a, a matter of. Figuring out what really works for you and uh, capitalize on that. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Any other stages stick out? We're thirty deep on on the match, but there's I, th- I do think that was a that was a pretty fun one. There was a, there was a variety of them, but that was definitely definitely one of them. I, I'll say it. So I don't know what's going on, but I we started off on. I'll talk about my a couple more things. I've kind of gotten in my head some mistakes I made was okay, yeah mental mistakes. Perfect. Yeah, so I I. Uh, um, Jake and I tied up after day one. I felt we both shot pretty good. In fact, I felt I shot really, really well. I hit uh, like some really difficult KYL targets. Um, you know, some long range. T- I hit the little ones. I hit. I feel like I hit every really tough shot in the match, and I gave it up on easy points. That being said, I did. I did shoot well. I, I feel like I could even shot a couple shots higher on Saturday because I hit the hard ones and gave up a few easy ones, but. Uh, we both shot um, well on Sunday, and we're we're tied for first. Um, and then day two, we come in. I've got a there was a weak side five targets. We should shoot um, <clears throat> uh, five different targets off a of spool strong side, and then you go you go close to far. When you get to the far one, you switch to weak side, and you shoot those one shot per all the way back in. Um, I cleaned it going out. Switched to weak side. And and I'm level. I got my level. I check. I hit. I hit the first one, and then I go again. And then I miss, uh, or I miss the anyway one miss, miss one of those two. Anyway, I ended up dropping like four in a row. And sitting there, I'm seeing them. I'm seeing the shots go, making good pulls, level. And I just was missing. I was like, I got a little bit in my head. I was like, man, that's a weird. So I got a six. I think Jake was the only clean on that stage. Absolutely burned it down. Were you? Uh, were you? Um, making the corrections after those shots. Yeah, I was missing just off right, so but but it was far to near, so I'm coming in closer and closer. The wind was blowing hard. It was first thing in the morning, and it was blowing hard, but it was kind of blowing at us, um, almost shooting right into the wind. It was so tough. It was a really tricky thing, and it's not like you could sit there very long because you had to fly. It was a you had to go, and so I would hold. But by the time I got into the closer stuff, as I'm moving in. I'm not. They're still four inches wide, and I'm holding. You shouldn't so, have to hold much wind. No, I had works. a. I, I didn't. So I couldn't figure it out. But I dropped to four. So anyway, we go over. So what got in my head was like, that was kind of a rough. So I was like, okay, whatever. We battle back. Wind's blowing everywhere, and it was blowing pretty hard. Um, I would go to the next stages, which we I haven't shot paper forever. But they're two one hundred yard prone stages, as easy as it gets. Land your belly, bipod in a game changer. We all shoot at 100 yards all the time, sighting and guns. It's as easy as it gets. And I dropped so many points. It was like it was frustrating because all day Sunday, like, okay, guys get a nine on stage, eights and nines, and I battle and I get a clean, and so I pick up one point. And then I do it again. I pick up another point. So now, you know, five stages go by, and you pick up three, four, five points on the match. And then I go to this paper stage, and I drop. There was one stage. The One one of the stages was there was five shots on the of these flies printed on paper. I hit one out of five at 100 yards, and they were not tiny. They were decent-sized flies, and I couldn't buy a point. And so I got really mad. I, was, I mean, I wasn't, I don't know, mad's the right word. I, was, I, was, I knew what that meant. I was frustrated. And my mental mistake was maybe getting a little bit sloppy, a little bit less focused. And the next couple stages were not 
terribly difficult back on steel. I cleaned them both, but still was still like, man, I dropped, you know, you battle ahead those four or five points. And now I'm, you know, in a couple stages, I'm down 10. Um, and so the next stage, I, at the stage you mentioned the big diamond off the cow, the, the cattle, mm-hmm. cattle grail, or I drop, I shoot off that same rail at my house at a little four inch target. Now we're shooting a giant diamond, probably 12, 14 inch diamond at a little bit further, but a big old target. And I dropped two shots really lazily just from even the lower stable positions, just which is unacceptable. I mean, that's the, that's the stage you clean mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 when you're on, on a normal shooting day. And I dropped two there. So I guess mentally it was like beating myself up and letting a couple shots slip. And in the end, like always, it comes down to one, Paul got me by one point. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, two points here, two points there. I think, what well, did you give me by six or seven? You got a pretty good On the match? Yeah. I won by nine over Paul. By nine. Jeez, yeah. So we got it by ten. So so that's a big um, – those are big things. And you can let a couple slip by, and it just – man, it just – you let it, you, you can't lose focus at all. And it's, it's so mm-hmm. – <laughs> whenever, whenever I do it, you look back, and you're like, come on, you know better. But still did a little bit so that was my mental mistake is just is not not staying focused and letting those early stages get to me when we still had 11 stages left so or well 11 stages on the day so mm-hmm. anyway i don't know i had uh, i had two mental mistakes and so for all the viewers out there that are that are you know competition shooters uh try to learn from my mistakes and try not to make them. I'm going to try not to make them again. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and, and just try to come prepared. So this was an Arizona match. They put in all their matchbooks. They put in all their briefs, all their emails, all online. They have to wear sh- uh, shooting glasses. It's required. You have to have glasses. That's their range rule. And I have a really nice set of shooting glasses at home. Well, they were still at home when I got to Arizona and, uh, bottom line is i didn't have any shooting glasses to to use and so now i'm kind of begging borrowing and seeing what kind of glasses i can use um you know i'm i'm really trying to use anything and so matt levine actually had a pair of uh, ess's they're really good glasses um and they worked uh, they worked really well except for one stage and so what happened is they have a frame at the top on these glasses on these ESSs and there's a there's a frame and it's a pretty thick frame at the very top everything else is open so um there was one stage where you're in a little bit of an awkward position I had to get too low for my body type and the position and so now I'm looking basically my head's down and I'm looking straight up over the top of them well right in the middle of my view is a this big old piece of plastic and now I can't see anything and it was on a stage where you really needed to see everything which is the bowling pin stage through the loophole mm-hmm. and so I'm already trying to find these targets and now I have a big piece of plastic in my way looking at it and so I tried to adjust them I tried to push them farther on my face that didn't work and so then again the panic starts to set in you start <laughs> to think you know, I can't see anything. People tore the targets down. There's no, there's not even targets out there. <laughs> They've disappeared. They disappeared. <laughs> you know, am I even on the right stage? What's going on? <laughs> and so you start to kind of figure out, okay, you know, uh, that was a mental mistake. It was a mental mistake before I even got to the match. So being prepared, um, you know, getting all your stuff, uh, you know, squared away before the match, going through your checklist of what you need. Is pretty important. I was fortunate enough that I got on a little groove on that stage and ended up doing really well, but it was still got in my head that that I didn't, you know, have the right uh, set, you know, right set of glasses for me. Yeah. Um, right, right piece of equipment. So that was that was a mental mistake. Another mental mistake <clears throat> while shooting was um, we we had a speed target uh, set. And it was six. It was a six. Uh, target plate rack at like 400 to 500 yards yeah and so it's pretty generous targets what we did is you shot left to right one two three four five six and you stood back up uh after you loaded your mag you had 20 seconds to either reload your mag or whatever and then you did one two three four five six again 12 shots total well 
I haven't had a misfire in a long time. I haven't had a failure to eject in a long time. I haven't had a round not go off in a long time. And so my confidence actually uh, backfired on me. Mm-hmm. And what happened is I didn't seat one of my primers all the way. It was actually sticking out of my case. Let's call it 20 thousandths or 15 thousandths, whatever we want to call it. So I only brought 12 rounds up. And I usually always, always, always have one round on my side saddle. And so I have the short action precision little two-round holder bungee side saddle thing. And I always keep a round in there. So if it's a 10-round stage, I'll have my 11th round sitting there. Just for backup, you just never know what happens. Um, And so that round has actually probably been sitting there for a long time. Well, I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to load my mag full of 10, and then I'm going to run... Because this was a speed stage, I didn't want to run 11 in my mag because that first round is slightly more difficult to get in than the than the 10th round. So because I was running too many rounds, I just said, you know what, I'm going to do 10 rounds in my mag. I'm going to put two in my side saddle. I went through one, two, three, four, five, six, just like planned, really fast, shot all six. I dropped my mag. I put those two rounds in. I put my mag back in. I still had 10, 15 seconds left for prep time. And then, shoot, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. One, two. And on, like, my third shot, I couldn't get that round in. I put my bolt forward. And I was like, oh, my Lord. And so then I'm trying to, try, you know, trying to get it to go down. It won't go down. Now I bring that round back. It's sitting in the dirt. And I shoot my other, you know, few shots. I only shot five shots on that. I hit all five, but I left one on the table because I wasn't prepared enough to bring an extra round. So Mm -hmm. just a word of advice, be prepared. Bring an extra round. You never know. Maybe throw it in your pocket. Maybe do whatever. We only had 20 seconds on that stage, but I shot those five in 14 seconds. So I had six seconds. I had a lot of time to throw one more round in there and send it down range. If I would have had it, I could have done it. That was a mental mistake on my part because mm-hmm. I specifically thought, oh, I've I've never really had a problem in the last year. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to have a problem. Well, guess what? It caught up to me. Nope. And and big mental mistake. Dropped a point there. Easy shot. Yeah. Those targets were, were really big. You know, they were super hittable. They are probably 12-inch targets at 450 or 500 yards. So you should hit all those. It's all prone. So you should... Every one of those you should be able to hit. Yeah. You know, um, I wouldn't call them gimme targets, but they were they were very healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> we'll dive into uh, into shot a little bit. I'm gonna have one more day down there tomorrow, and like I said, Jake flies out pretty early tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning. So I mm-hmm. fly out tomorrow night. So I'll be there for one more day, uh, checking out a few more things. I've been I haven't been able to see it. There's a handful of things I haven't had a chance to even go look at yet. So the show is crazy. It's huge. I mean, we walked into what did we walk into that section with Dan yesterday? And we're like, I've never been down here. Yeah, a full we've, section that I've never been down in five years. Yeah, we didn't even know it was there. Didn't it's even a, know it was there. A bunch of really right stuff was down there. A bunch of you know some cool companies. So. Um, <clears throat> anyway, where the, I don't know if they were down there. So I think I'm lost. So there, anyway, there's a bunch of stuff I want to still see, but a um, couple things. I just go through a list here. Um, stopped by Trigicon and did talk to him about the, the the wind. I'm not sure what it's called. The anyway, it doesn't matter. You guys know what I'm talking about. But the new wind reader laser wind reader thing they have, and the engineer was there, so I actually got to talk to him for a little bit. Um, kind of interesting. Um, you know, they've, he said they've kind of shrunk kind of a $90,000 unit that was like kind of the size of a suitcase in the last year or so, two years, they've shrunk it down to what we're seeing in the handheld, uh, type of a unit around the 8,000, which obviously expensive people are making fun of it and all that stuff too. But man, it's, it's interesting. Um, and you guys all know what technology does. It gets cheaper and smaller and better. So, um, I, I don't know reason to assume in the next however many years it's not going to go from telling you when to 500 to telling you when to 750 to a thousand and so on. Um, you know, I don't know. He, he talked about the lasers. I was curious. I thought I was like, well, they were reading Mirage is as IR beam, uh, you know, reading Mirage, how it bends or, but what it is, it's just lasers. 
and they're hitting particulates in the air is what he said. And so he said, no matter what, there's always something there, whether it's pollen or dust or moisture, if it's wet or raining, there's always something in the air moving. And so I'm excited to play with it. It's one of those things that I kind of, you poo poo. I see it. I'm like, eh, whatever. I don't know. It's, it seems stupid, but, and then I step back like, man, it'd be pretty awesome if it was as accurate as it is to know what your 500 yard wind was doing. I mean, could you imagine having it like super accurate and obviously it's expensive, but I I do want to play with it. It was kind of fun chatting with him. Um, uh, another, I stopped by amp, look at that, their, their case feeder. Obviously it's, they've had some issues. I know, um, with their first couple runs, it, it, I watched it run for a long time, talked to them a little bit and so far so good. I'm going to stop back by there tomorrow, uh, for a little bit longer. They were, they were pretty busy and I had to go, I had a meeting I had to get to. So I want to ask them a couple more questions. Um, another quick note. So by lab radar, one thing I was having issues with was the Bluetooth for, I like to set that lab radar and hook my Bluetooth to it so I can turn it on and off from my, from the bench when it's out front, kind of lazy, but still handy. And, uh, my Bluetooth will crash, so it'll work sometimes and sometimes it'll crash, which not a big deal, but they said they're working on that in the next few months they should have an update. So that was another cool thing. Um it, oh I don't know, anything that stuck out to you that you've seen or wanna mention or you know, Shot Show is is so giant that you really don't get a chance to see anything <laughs> uh, uh, you know you, you, you can see you can walk for days and days and you see 10 percent of everything right yeah so it's it's crazy they did um i'm not a particular fan of a two-stage trigger they do have trigger tech has a new two-stage trigger out that is absolutely legit so it feels um, pretty cool yeah it's just it's awesome it's super adjustable you can adjust the the first uh, i'm not a huge I don't know a lot about two stages because I, <laughs> yeah. I really haven't. I don't have a lot yeah. of experience with them, so it's hard for me to t- talk intelligently uh, about them. But from what I felt, um, and I've, I guess I've shot you know some two stage with the Savage Accu trigger and the you know some of the AI guns or whatever. So it, you know mm-hmm. I have shot a little bit of them, but <clears throat> um, you know really really good technology what they have and 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 they're really pushing the trigger envelope on making the best possible triggers. So props to those guys. Uh, yeah, look forward cool. to, you know, trying some of those out and, you know, kind of getting a feel for them and seeing if I do like them down the road and, and seeing, um, you know, if it if it does improve my shooting, it might be something to take a hard look at and say, you know what, it might be a lot of people, they like to press and, and play with that first stage and then mm-hmm. feel the wall mm-hmm. and then they can go through um on their second stage and so a lot of people feel like it it makes them a better shooter Mm -hmm. um you know and i'm just i'm i guess i'm just using air for my first stage until i get to the wall which is yeah which is you know my regular single stage so yeah it did did feel cool i played with a little bit and they showed me they adjusted the first stage and it's just two allens and and the second stage and we kind of went back and forth and super easy to tell super smooth really fun to I don't know. I'm the same way. I've always been a single stage guy, but I've had some two stages on a few guns. But um, I, I'm gonna. I want to play with it a little bit. It's yeah, pretty absolutely. cool. We'll and it's it. green, and it's a different color. So buy that. It is. It is. It it's is like, a cool color. They've got green and red. They got Christmas covered. So yeah, we're set. They're, they're good to go. Get um, an orange one for Halloween or something. One of the booths I was I was working in is is obviously for a lot of you guys that already know is U.S. Optics booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, U.S. Optics has has worked really hard on a new scope line called the Foundation Series, and so uh, Foundation Series is really, you know, their attempt to get back to the roots of of what they want to do. They want to make the most reliable scope, the most rugged scope, mm-hmm. and the most dependable scope. And so they're taking out a lot of some of the gimmicky stuff that they had in previous that we thought would be cool or we thought people wanted. Um, really what people want is they want something that works and they want something that's reliable and they want something that is a hundred percent dependable. So that's, that's kind of what we're doing going back with that. Um, obviously, uh, you know, it's got the E-Rec and it's got the USO look, um, and I'm super pumped about it. It's just a simple, uh, simple scope that that is going to work and it's going to be reliable. Um, that's really all I can ask for is a good reticle. Mm-hmm. And something that works. Now, those are my two requirements for a scope. Yep. Is that replacing the B series? <clears throat> That's going to be uh, replacing the B series, so they're not making the B series anymore. Um, and that's still the, the the B series is still the scope I run now. And I have 
have had obviously yeah. a, a ton of match wins and a ton of success with the B-Series, so I am a little biased because I love it. I have shot them a lot, um, but... You know, I just, uh, I know that what they want to do is they want to create the best product, um, the most reliable product, and that's important to them. And so we decided, you know, um, to kind of move move that yeah. direction. I liked that. I played with it a little bit. I like that turret. Mm-hmm. Big, big round, like a really, a lot of space between the between the tents. And uh, yep. it was, it was it felt really good. It was, like, obviously, I like your reticle a lot. And then... Um, uh, turf felt great, so I th- no, I mean, it looked pretty sweet. Yeah. So, anyway, um, you did some, uh, you did some clinics at XLR, mm-hmm. some barricade yeah. clinics. They had a big. It was pretty cool. They had this, uh, like the giant tank steel trap. four by four tubing welded smooth shiny metal xlr stickers on it with a tank trap it was awesome right in the middle of you know shot show so so you did a couple we came over in there and watched those and mm-hmm. guys showing up asking questions and stuff so um one, hey, it, was, it was a good little clinic i don't know if shot show is the best place for a, a, a clinic like that and that was something that you know we'll kind of go back and, and revisit uh, obviously we want to get the most reach possible so uh, yeah. it might not be the best place for it but a lot of people seem to enjoy it we got a lot of interaction from it so yeah yeah it doesn't hurt but like yeah. be, being a being like a an industry show there's a lot of business going on as many consumers like I, I i mentioned like man if it was at the nra show where you got a ton of just you know just shooters and you know just the public open to the public then you probably gain bigger crowds mm-hmm. but some definitely a bunch of guys came by a lot and guys were having questions and stuff so it was cool but it doesn't hurt to have it but yeah it is mm-hmm. different crowds it's interesting to yeah kind of see what works and what's there but what kind of um, new products you've been working with and and uh you know what you've been doing the last few months for yeah we, i mean sticking with um you know, with with MBT and just working on some few things, we still can't talk about about some of that stuff. But definitely working on some stuff with them and some tweaks to existing products. Um, one new thing they've got is a they've got a cool grip for the ACC. Kind of a I've liked the grip um, that they've had, but I think this new one's even an improvement. They've they're uh, it's it's just got a better feel. It's a little wider, kind of this rubbery feel. Um, I'm super excited about it. So probably swap to that. That's a minor thing, um, because the other one I like. But I think this one's a little bit better. It's going to fit the, make my hand go to the exact same position a little bit better every time. The thing I'm probably most excited about is, I, I don't know. It's not really official, but everybody knows it because it's people have talked about it. It's not a it's not a huge deal, but to me it's a it's a big deal. We've been working on a reticle um for loophole in the mark V for a while now and it's coming right along so i ran the cch this last year which is a you know it's a it's 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 worked uh it's but it's it's uh maybe not ideal uh it's pretty thick it's pretty busy um i think there's a lot of room to improve especially in the competition game i think across over to hunting well it's just i think gonna be pretty exciting so i'm excited we kind of finalized that about last week um i don't want to speak out of turn but we're getting some etchings done right now to test in second focal to kind of see what it looks like at 10 power and 20 power and 25 power and make sure we're completely happy with it. And then it's off to the races. So then it's off to commercial etching and, and getting glass cut and, and rock and roll. And so I'm hoping everything keeps cruising and we'll have that kind of mid year, if not sooner. Um, I am excited about it. I still can't quite share pictures of it. I think they're, I don't know, some, uh, I don't know if it's copyrights or 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 trademarks or I don't know what they got to do, but they got to do all that lawyer stuff with designing new products. So I can't share a picture of it yet, but I'm excited. It's going to be you know the basic floating center. I'm going to stick with the the quarter mills. Um, well, I don't want to go too much into it. When it when it comes out, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a picture and we it can, is we a can, sweet radical though. We can talk about it a lot more. So I'm really jacked for that. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest thing that I'm excited about. We've been working on for. Good. for quite a while Good for you guys that's yeah. awesome yeah and then uh that's the thing i'm excited um we'll talk about more about this later but quickly met with uh i sat down with uh you and uh the benchmark guys yesterday and had a really good a good breakfast and uh mm-hmm. a really good time and i'm going to be shooting benchmark barrels uh going forward which i'm really excited about um and like i said we'll talk about more about that later but i'm really excited about getting that going 
Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a few other things, but those are the big ones. Yeah. You know, those awesome. are the big, big things right now, but great people. I love seeing the loophole guys and, and the MBT guys and shoot like, you know, running into Phil at MPA and the XLR guys. It's just fun. There's a lot of really great people. I had good talks with Mike Lee over at Defiance and just a lot of good people, even though, you know, you get a little competition friendly, run into the impact guys and the, all the different competitive brands, but you know, we're kind of a, a little family that is just bickers and talks trash between each other and has a good time. So it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> um, there are a couple other things, lot 22 stuff. Um, saw the Curtis, uh, Curtis 22 in yep. person. Um, obviously that's like a pre-production. It's not, you know, not a production model. So, um, you know, that's, that's it's going to be so awesome. Just change your bolt and, and it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited to see that production model. The, the one that was there was cool. Um, but I'm just jacked to get it. Just the, the final product and, everything totally ready to roll so that's going to be cool um well it seemed like 22 is pretty popular a lot of people coming out 22 actually i think bighorn came out with one and a couple other ones but um i'm excited for the just the adapter to be able to you know buy a kit like that and save money over you know buying a 1200 dollars action or something for 22 but um sky pods i'm excited about i use more and more of those at the arizona match a couple stages and I think I've I've been a long time Harris guy and I'm I'm moving over. It's getting better and better. So I'm gonna make the switch probably and start to work through with that more and more and probably run that pretty much solely going forward. So I just the versatility is unreal and you keep I don't know, I ran I borrowed um borrowed Rays a couple of times on our state, you know, on in Arizona and, and ran that. So um It is the most versatile and usable bipod in the market. It's crazy. I mean, to go from as low as it can go so, to as high so awesome. as it can to go, and the the amount of pan it has, and anyway, it's a crazy bipod. I know guys complain about the price sometimes, but once you use, the more you use it, you're like, dude, this thing is it does so much, and it's so versatile. And in a competitive setting, when you care about some points, it can definitely get you some points in some situations, which are worth a lot more than a bipod. So. Um, we're coming up on an hour and it's, it's getting late, but one quick mention had some guys asking about that 300 normal I've been working on. Um, I did finally, as the season ended, I finally had some, some more time to work with that thing. I've got it shooting pretty good. Um, I bedded it in, a um, uh, Mesa precision carbon stock. It's pretty light. It's going to fit. I wanted to finish it about 10 pounds and I hit, I hit that number just about on the head. Um, shooting two fifteens at gosh, I don't have my notes here. I think thirty fifty, Lapua brass, and it's uh, it's shooting really, really good. So I got about one hundred fifty rounds through it, kind of getting things tweaked. I had had a few issues. I think I identified. I was having some some vertical stringing. I think I got it figured out. Um, but I got a little bit more testing, and I'll have it taken care of. But it's it's been the last time out. I think I've got everything squared away. But just running H one thousand and burger two fifteens, and it's hammering. So, um, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit more. But a couple of guys were asking me on on Messenger how that thing was coming along, and it's it's cool. So ten pounds, Mesa Precision stock, running that proof carbon at twenty six inches um area 419 break i put a i did put a loophole 525 on it um where my other my lighter hunting gun has that 318 but i wanted that 525 on there because i just the way i'm going to use it it's it's it fits that fits that platform a little, a little bit, longer range a little, possibly a little bit better yeah and uh, and the size and i wasn't concerned about weight or size at all on this so there's not really any downside to running that 525 um using the the curtis helix which is their long action integral lug which I really like that. It's going really well. And I just use the Wyatt's internal, like the extended box with regular bottom metal on this one. So, and a trigger tech diamond. Um, I think that wraps out that package. And anyway, it seems to be shooting really well. So, um, just want to hit that real quick and, uh, we'll wrap it up. I'll do, I'll have a day at shot tomorrow. Um, want to check out a few more things. So we'll talk about that later. And then what you're going home, you got, Daughter's basketball game, right? Or volleyball? Uh, volleyball, yeah. So we got. Um, I'm. I, I was. I wasn't gonna fly out till Saturday, but um, my uh, my daughter says, "Hey, you're coming to my volleyball game Friday, right?" And I said, "Yes, ma'am, I am." <laughs> and so I changed my flight and, and uh, decided to fly out on Friday so I can make the Attaboy. volleyball game. So it should be a should be a good game and. Yep. 
She's, right. she's going to do well. Right on. Good deal. And then quick, you want to do, I, you know, people asking too about Devin, your wife. You Quick update, doing better still? <clears throat> she is She is doing better. Um, you know, we've just been working through a lot of stuff um, with uh, back. She, um, not sure how much I want to share. That's but fine. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she is doing better, and we're, we're just, uh, it's going to be a long road and, and mm-hmm. lots of different stuff going on. Yep. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. But people were asking me this weekend yeah. and, and and around. I know you'd ask people. People were wondering. So yeah, she is she is doing better, and and we're very th- we're very thankful for that. We just gotta um, you know roll uh, you know kind of keep her with some treatments and 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 get her healthy. Yep, absolutely. So right on, guys. Well, thanks a bunch. Um, uh, we we I packed around podcast stuff for the last three days and we just it's crazy it's just swamped it's a zoo here and we wanted to sit down we all every intention of doing more and more and time goes by so stinking fast so we wanted to knock this thing out and uh but we'll get we'll get back on pace matches are gonna picking up we got we're gonna be starting to have a lot mm-hmm. of matches we got some we're gonna try to shoot some team matches and nrl and prs and all that's gonna kick off pretty it's it's kicked off so matches are coming up so we'll have lots to talk about um testing new bolts 109s and all that stuff new barrels all that stuff so we're excited um thanks for the feedback and a lot of positive feedback and thanks for the you know like guys liking the podcast we appreciate that and uh we will catch you guys uh sooner than later so take care and uh until next time toodles <laughs>